Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 142nd episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Man, it feels like it's been a little while since we've had a chance to get together and talk Seahawks. We've had an offensive coordinator hired. We talked about that a little while ago. We've got a Super Bowl played. Uh, we've had Aaron Rodgers lose again in the NFC Championship. So that was great. Uh, and We've got some news, you know, you guys, uh, Jeff and, and uh, Evan spent some time talking about last night, but we'll talk a little bit about it tonight as well. The Seahawks are entertaining all year around. Uh, some great content. We'll, we'll talk through it. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of the calendar year is free agency and just the possibilities because it just gives you a chance to dream a little bit. And you can't really lose until it's all the way over. And you don't even really know if you won or you lost till you get into the season. So it's all opportunity. We will talk specifically tonight about the quarterback position as well as offensive line and not just necessarily free agency. The quarterback position, there's some different things coming into play that could happen there. And we will talk about those as well. Can but I just say something real quick? You never oh. say anything quickly, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Evan. Evan at S in SEA uh, on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Evan. What would you like to say? I would like to start off the show with a take. And, and that take is that NFL free agency, at least when it, at least in the context of the Seahawks, to me, is more fun than the actual games. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not I kidding. That's how much fun the offseason is. But there's the, the stakes are way lower. So, like, your chances – you know my statement. If you don't, I'm going to re, re, restate it. I have coined the phrase, you cannot have elation without the threat of devastation, right? Like, you can't have the top, just amazing feeling of joy unless there's the potential to be totally devastated. 
And the offseason doesn't give you that. You can't be totally devastated. So the joy is like, there's a limit to how happy you can be during the offseason. But it is a little bit being like in a, in a, you know, a padded room. There's only so much damage you can do to oneself during the offseason. So I, I hear you, dude. Uh, joining Evan and myself is Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. I'm excited. I too enjoy the off season. Although I look at it a little differently than you guys do, because I think you can be completely devastated by an off season. (laughs) I'm glad you were not in our chat last year when the whole pass rush thing happened, you would have wanted to kill us. Oh, more than I normally do, really? Yeah, no. like when the Seahawks weren't signing any pass rushers when they had like <laughs> eons of cap room. I think like if you think we've melted down normally, like our thread during the first three days of free agency was hell. Ryan's was anxiety <laughs> was like slowly raising. Yeah. I was the voice of reason for the longest you time. Were... I was like, they've got a plan. There's plenty of options. There's so many free agents out there. They can make trades and they didn't do anything. I, it was bad. You would have hated us. <laughs> well i'm glad i missed totally that wrong too. Right? No, sorry, Dana. what were you gonna say no i was just gonna say well i'm glad i missed it that night because i <laughs> would definitely you guys would have stressed me out yeah no but it's, yeah. it's true it, the off season is super fun and it's um it's a time to be really excited it's kind of the same with the draft and then you know the regular season comes <laughs> so there's a couple things uh, I got to get off my chest to start the show, and then we'll, we'll get into the to the meat of it. I want you to know I've been really nervous about about this little mini segment to open up the show. Well, yeah, for, for the con- I need to I need to spell the context for a second. Yeah. So so for the audience, for the listeners, we do not prepare at all for these shows. <laughs> like not a single second of preparation goes into any single one of these podcasts. Not a single word is scripted. Yeah. It but doesn't the, show. It doesn't show at all. It's, <laughs> But but this morning, Brian informed all of us that he was going to open up the show with several comments around what I perceive to be the events that have unfolded over the past 24 hours. So I'm a little nervous. I'm a little anxious and a little scared with what you're about to say. I hope it's not something I violently disagree with. But Brian, the floor is yours. That's content, man. Uh you know, two things. One, not controversial at all. In fact, I think you guys covered it last night, but I want to take this chance to, to do it as well. We got a request from uh, the son of a longtime uh, listener, viewer uh, uh, named Graham K. His dad, Graham K., uh, is in the UK and is a huge fan of the show. It's his birthday. He became a huge Seahawks fan and actually went to the first Super Bowl and said that if they won that game, he was going to be a Seahawks fan for life. Uh, he's all in. He watches all the shows, listens to all the shows, and we just want to wish him a happy, happy birthday. So happy birthday, Graham. Happy birthday. We share the same birthday, by the way. What? Uh, the guy's name. I forget his name. You just mentioned it. Graham. Graham. Okay. We yeah. share the same birthday, but he's like probably a little bit older than me. Oh, all right. I thought you This said is we- your reminder for all of you to send me many bottles of wine, just to be clear. I'm just Don't kidding. do it. <laughs> all right the other thing this is it's gonna this is meander for a little bit so i'll try i'll try to rein it in but the the russell wilson comments that have come up um of late and and some of them are coming directly from russell some of them are clearly coming from mark rogers's agent or other people that are feeding the press um 
there's a lot to go over there. We won't get into massive depth because I know you guys did a show on it just last night, but the thing that really stands out to me is the timing is odd. Now, the, 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 the major, I think the major things that Russell's bringing up are like at least two things. One is I need to be protected better. I need to get hit less. Like that was one major theme that came out. The other was I need to be involved in personnel decisions. Those are the two things that stood out to me. There might be others that stood out to you guys, but those stood out to me. And I was kind of thinking about it. And I was like, since Russell was drafted, the Seahawks like traded for Percy Harvin. They had Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Jermaine Curse. They traded for Jimmy Graham, who I'm pretty sure was someone Russell wanted added to the team. They signed Greg Olson, who was the guy that they that he wanted them to draft. Offensive line wise, of all the years to complain about it, it's an odd one because we on this show have spent time this year saying this is the best offensive line Russell's had in a while. They drafted Damian Lewis, who is, you know, one of the all rookie kind of guys. He's an up and comer. Dwayne Brown had an all pro level season. Uh, Brandon Shell, we talked about, was one of the top few free agents signed all year from a, from a value perspective. So I'm like, if Russell had come out with these comments in 2016, when the Seahawks signed Jamarcus Webb and Bradley Sowell, I'd be like, hell yeah, Russell, like good for you. Step up, make sure that the team knows that that's not okay. They're not going to get away with cheap offensive linemen. They need to protect their quarterback. They need to have an offensive line that's ready to, you know, clear lanes for the runners and, and all that other good stuff. But this offensive line is progressing. It's in, it's in, a, it's in, I think in decent shape and there's only two open slots and there's actually guys they've drafted that could potentially fill those slots. I mean, Phil Haynes has potential to fill one of those slots. We don't know what he's going to be. Uh, Jeff laughs, but I mean, this is a guy that Dwayne Brown was singing the praises of last year before he got hurt. We don't know what he, he played one game in the, in the, um, last year as a rookie in, in green Bay during the playoffs and was rated really well, played really well. So I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be better than people realize. Were you the Phil Haynes lover on this show? What's that? Were you the Phil Haynes lover on this show? Because there was somebody on this show. Oh yeah. If if, if it's just one person, I'll take I'm, I'm a Phil Haynes. I didn't remember which one it was. So it was you, Brian. Okay. And, and then you've also got Jordan Simmons who played decently. Like there's some options there um, that, that are interesting. So, and I see the, the ability to fill in there, not too hard. So anyway, long story short, I see a lot of personnel moves that have been made that have clearly been made with Russell in mind. If anything, the team has moved away over the years from being a run centric team where they're really trying to do that to Russell's never had better weapons than he has right now. Receivers like he's got the best wide receiver duo in the NFL or one of the best, like, uh, so it's really odd to me that it's coming up right now and it doesn't really ring true to be totally honest. Like I, I think, I think it seems like if anything, I'm starting to just wonder if, he's picking whatever he thinks he can get away with saying because he has interest in playing elsewhere. Like that's my, that's my question out of all this is, is he really hoping to get those things, which I think he's already had, or is he just trying to create a dynamic change with the team 
which by the way, based on some reports today, whether they're true or not, may be starting to work. The team may not be super happy with Russell speaking up and how the camp is handling this in the press because the Seahawks, they've done one thing well as a front office. They've kept things in-house. Protect the team, number one rule. So those are those are kind of, I mean, they're not super hot takes, but that was just kind of like a stream of consciousness I wanted to share with you guys and get your reactions. Jeff, you look like you're dying to get in. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but I think it's very obvious where this all came from. I think this is a pure reaction to the Super Bowl. I, if, did you see Russell's face when Goodell was talking to him? He looked like he was sick to his stomach. And I think everything he said is exactly what he saw watching Tampa Bay. And I don't agree with everything he said, but I think everything he said from he watched Tom Brady's offensive line, they are top five offensive line in the NFL, arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. I think he saw them. Brady had like five seconds to pass on every throw. I think he saw Tom Brady impact with Gronk and Antonio Brown, the guy he wanted to sign and watching Antonio Brown, his guy that he pushed for win the Super Bowl. I think he just acted purely reactionary to that game. And I don't think, I think what Brian said is true. I, but I think he's maybe missing, maybe he's missing the big picture. I think all of that was a reaction to what he saw in Tampa, the offensive line, the weapons, the one, seeing Tom Brady get personnel control to get Antonio Brown, to get Gronk, to get Leonard Fournette. I think everything is related back to that. I think the timing is very understandable. <laughs> so he got Josh Gordon. That was him. He got Greg Olson. That was him. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Graham was him. And so yeah, he got DK Metcalf. Like it's odd. And Tom Brady didn't have five seconds all the time. In fact, Tom Brady in the middle of the year, the Bears game, I don't know if you remember this national televised game, Tom Brady was yelling at his offensive lineman in the middle of those games because that offensive line was trash. But that's where things kind of flipped. They became the best line, I think, in the league after that game. Yeah, and part of the way they did that is Brady doesn't hold on the ball for five seconds. So yeah. I don't think he's hey, I'm not saying Russell's right, but I'm saying that's where I think his comments came from. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to go the other way, which is, Patrick Mahomes is considered the best in the NFL, clearly. And he didn't look like it. He looked like, you know, like a lot of times what Russell's had to do, which is run around and be a, uh, a quarterback that couldn't really accomplish what he wanted because his line wasn't protecting him. And I well, think that's factored into his thinking. I think he saw this and says, fuck, that looks like my film. The, Brian, I do think you have a strong point about the timing, though. And, and Jeff and I were talking about this last night, like of all the years to complain about it. Yes, they declined over the second half of the year. But in terms of building pieces moving forward, I'm not sure Seattle's offensive line has be been better positioned going into the next season in the past decade with their current personnel. Yeah. Like they have three solid starters in Dwayne Brown, who's, who's an all pro. Uh, Damian Lewis, you know, who, who, who was a rookie and, you know, teetered off a little towards the end of the year. But for all we know, you know, has a very optimistic, exciting future, maybe one of the best offensive linemen they've ever drafted. And then Brandon Shell, as we know, was one of the best values they've ever signed on in the in the position group. So I. Jeff, it's funny you mentioned that, Brian, because Jeff and I were talking about that last night. It's like he has had materially worse offensive lines in his career and. I, I don't know if maybe he's just feeling the effects of hits more as he gets into his thirties or something like that. But it does make me wonder if there's some sort of ulterior motive, but 
but with all that said, I don't disagree. Like they do have big holes on the, on the offensive line, two key positions they need to fill and, and they should fill them frankly in free agency. So uh, I yeah. just, as good as, as right as you guys are, I think the la- the lasting image of Russell's mind was that Rams game. Yeah. Didn't block anything. And I do agree that the timing is a little odd. I know I mentioned the Super Bowl, but it's kind of weird time for Russell to speak out considering his last eight or nine games, like kind of weird time to throw some players under the bus when you kind of sucked in the second half, but. Yeah. Well, I think that's true. Dana. I mean, none of this, none of this is to say, what should the, what should the priority be for the team? And do we disagree that it should be the offensive line? I mean, that's a conversation. That's part of the reason offensive lines, one of the first positions we're talking about uh, Mm -hmm. in, in our show today. So, I mean, do you think it's that simple that this is just uh, Russell wanting to make sure that they invest in that space? Or do you think that there's more to it? Do you think that there's like, why this year, why those specific things that he called out? Like, what do you think he wants that he's not getting? And, and why is he, why is he doing it now? I, I think that you, each one of you was, had a little piece of it. I really do. But wh- here's the way I'm seeing it. And again, this is an outsider's perspective, but I think this might have a little bit to do with power. So what we're seeing with the quarterbacks this year, Deshaun Watson demanding a trade, and I don't know if he's going to get it or not after what everyone paid for, what the Rams paid for Stafford, um, because they'll have to double that to get Watson. So uh, Watson's demanding a trade. Stafford demanded a trade. They, you have all of these prominent football player quarterbacks because even Rogers flexing his muscles a little bit after they lost in the playoffs. I think this has to do a little bit with power. This has to do with the players, Russell feeling, you know, what he, you know, the other players are, you know, kind of making these demands and getting what they want and Brady's the same way. And, and then you have what you watched in that Super Bowl because he did, he looked absolutely irritated and he said he was pissed that he wasn't playing in it, but there was more to it than that. I think we all can agree there. So I think this has to do a little bit of power. He's making these demands to see what comes back from Seattle. I also think it has a little bit to do with power with their new offensive quarterback coordinator. He's making it known very publicly what he expects from that new coordinator. Now, there was a thing out there, and again, we don't know how much of it is true, that he was, he hated all the names that they were bringing in, right? Like the, he didn't like any of them until they brought um, Waldron in. And so I think, and then he made the deal. I just think it's a power play. And He's just flexing his muscle a little bit to be like, hey, remember, I'm the one in charge here. What's interesting is how it's going to play off from the other teams or from the other players, I think, because I think while it might be a power play for him in the front office, I I don't know that it's going to resonate very well with the other players unless they get that's what he's doing. And I think some of the pros will. I think, you know, I don't think Dwayne Brown's really going to be too fussed about this. I can see him being like, whatever, dude, you know, protect for yourself then, you know, kind of let it go. (laughs) But it's interesting. I feel like he's like, you know, just kind of like standing his ground and standing in a Superman position, trying to, to push some power back. And I don't know, to be quite honest with you, I don't know what he really wants out of it. I think, I think he's trying to create a sense of urgency, frankly. And, and I'm not saying it was manifested perfectly or communicated perfectly, <laughs> but I do think there's an urgency around not only his career, 
but around this team's Super Bowl window, which of course is directly related to his age and, and you know, the natural progression of a, of a quarterback's career. But I'm going to push back on one slight thing. And, and it kind of made me think of this while you're talking about it, Dana. Everybody's been talking about how this would manifest in the locker room and some players may be upset and stuff like that. But like, does Dwayne Brown really think Russell was speaking about him? Does, no. does Brandon Shell or Damian Lewis think that he was speaking about them? I think unlikely. Who gives a fuck what Ethan Posick or Mike Upati think? They're both going to be gone this year. But yeah. seriously, it's like, it's like they're not going to be in the fold I next year. I don't think year. that's how the offensive line room works, dude. It, that, yeah. it, is, it is all or one. And I don't think – so look, Dwayne Brown has had no hesitation to yell at Russell on the field during yeah. games when he's Which mad. is why I don't think he's going to be too fussed about this. That's one way to look at it. I mean, yeah. another way is, I mean, that's another thing. That, I mean, there's just, a, it's to me, it's weird. Like, that's the thing. I, I don't like, I'm actually totally on board with what Russell's saying he wants in terms of a priority. So like, awesome. Offensive line, top priority, sold. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, better protection, sold. Like, I love all that. Like, you win offensive line, defensive line, for sure. So that's great. But it's weird. He, he talks about how much he loves Waldron. Waldron's going to be a star. He's super excited. And he makes the comment, one of the things he said, it, maybe it, other people missed it, but he called out specifically, you know, I'm excited that he's going to have outlets for me to use. And I'm like, what? Like, dude, all, the, all of the weird. clips that were sent out about how Russell gets into sacks have people running wide open as outlets all the time and he doesn't use them. So is that like it's just weird. It's weird that like maybe a lack of self-awareness or maybe, maybe there's something between the OC and him saying for some reason, don't use those outlets. I don't know. That seems weird to me, but like, he's got the offensive coordinator he wants. He's got the receivers he wants. He was getting the tight ends he wants. Maybe he wants more. Um, he's got better offensive linemen. It's just, it's just odd. And that's why like the things don't really add up logically to me. And I think Evan, you're right. It's, it's like, there's urgency. And I know I have a reputation of being like anti Russell, which I'm not like, I've honestly, like I want, I, I predicted Russell to be unanimous MVP this year. Like I, I like, I, I want him to be great, but I, I also, I'm just like looking at this objectively and thinking, this is weird. It's, it's just weird to me. And, and so that's, that's the piece that, that stands out. Um, yeah. I and, mean, free agency is right around the corner. You know what I mean? Like he could, there may have been internal conversations in the past and previous years, and, and maybe it fell on deaf ears internally. And maybe Russell and his agent felt that the best course of action, I'm not saying this was 100% correct, but maybe they felt the best course of action was to apply a little bit of public pressure with free agency making a turn in the next month or so. But did, did they need to do that to get Greg Olson signed, which was like one of the worst signings they did last year? I'm not going to defend that signing. I know, you're, but you're not going to catch that me defending was, that. that was, did they need that to get Josh Gordon signed? Like they got the guys that Russell wanted before. So why all of a sudden are, did, did they hear that the Seahawks don't believe the offensive line is important somehow? Like that seems like that would be weird. You know, but maybe, but maybe to Evan's point, maybe, he didn't just ask for Greg Olson. Maybe he had asked for a few other pieces and they, their, their prize was, well, here, we'll give you Greg. If that will make I you happy. That Antonio maybe, Brown. Maybe. I think that Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown thing. 
God. Thank God they stood up to him. I know, but I think Russell looks at it and sees Antonio Brown catch a touchdown. But they said, Pete said they were interested. Antonio Brown was the one who didn't want to come. He's like, he signed, they didn't even give him a chance to come. I know, but I don't think Brady in in, in Florida. Like, you know what's fascinating to me? When that SI story came out with shirt, we all thought was some of the guys talking about Russell was like called an extension of management. He was the coach's pet. All this stuff, the way they viewed him. And now three years later, it's like he's feuding with management. The players don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, Jeff, after a season where you could make a strong case that the Seahawks were playing well in every place except for quarterback, like offensive line, I think you could you could say that that wasn't as good as it could be. But the defense was was playing well. They're playing well enough to advance receivers, you know, strong running backs were strong. Um I don't know if I agree with the running backs part, but it's not a big deal. You don't agree that the running backs were strong? Towards the end of the the year? year. end of the year, they kind of... Chris Carson fell off, man. They were playing from behind all the time. No, this show... You guys sound like analytics nerds right here. (laughs) Am I I going up against two Ben Baldwin and Nathan Ernst (laughs) over here? Who are you guys? Uh, yeah. We're saving Nathan for the running back show. Yeah, it just—it was—it was probably Russell's most disappointing stretch of his career that he's coming off of. So, so could that be where the chatter's coming from? Deflect, deflect, deflect. We don't want to that's say an, that I had a bad year. That's an interesting yeah. point of view, which is Russell was yeah. under the most pressure he's ever been in from the fan base. I mean, I've heard from more people that like are down on Russell than I've ever heard before. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe his Q scores going down, and they're like, "Nope, we're gonna make sure that everyone knows it was not our fault. Um, mm-hmm. That it was ever." That's an interesting theory. That is yeah. that. That's kind of smart. Yeah. Yeah. And I so, honestly think in two weeks it'll be a non-story, and we'll have moved. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. If, I, if we're money, I think this is a story this whole offseason. Unless, and and this is my next question for you guys. We're really into the quarterback position right now. By the way. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know from each of you, do you think that the reports are accurate that other teams have reached out about Russell without being prompted? That's one option. Second option, do you think that Russell's representation has reached out to other teams and to the reporters to let them know that other teams have reached out to the Seahawks to make sure that people know that that they might be available? Or do you think that somehow someone in the Seahawks camp made it known because they actually secretly are interested in hearing if there's other offers and they want to drum up a market? Which of those three? And you guys can say a fourth if you think there is, but let's try to keep it to those three. Evan? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> laughing at option number two around Mark Rogers. Mark Rogers is paid to be the bad guy, and he is excellent at his job. He is absolutely talking through reporters and applying guys this whole situation i know russell had his comments on the dan patrick show yesterday or two days ago this whole situation is like 98 manufactured 98 manufactured mm-hmm. by mark rogers i almost guarantee it i almost guarantee it russell's probably not even in the driver's seat with any of this <laughs> like, like like mark rogers probably handed him some political 
political talking points before he went on the Tan- Dan Patrick show. Did you uh, hear when Dan Patrick pushed back how Russell reacted? He laughed and then he started stuttering and he couldn't handle it. Yeah. Russell was so confident in everything he says, he was tripping over his words. He felt I could not agree with Evan more. Can you share? Because not everyone heard the clip. Can you guys share what you're talking about and uh, Jeff and, and what happened? So the initial, there was the initial report from Jason Lackenfora, but Ru- things really took off yesterday when Russell was on the Dan Patrick show. And Russell was kind of inkling at like things needed to change. He wanted personnel control. And then he was like, well, I may be available. And Dan Patrick kept pushing back on him. He's like, what do you mean you might be available? Like, your Hall of Fame quarterback. What are you talking about? And he would give his usual political answer. And Dan kept pushing back on him. And Russell was kind of tripping on his word. Like Russell seemed uncomfortable. And that's where I totally agree with Evan. This whole thing has Mark Rogers' hands all over it. The Jason Lackenfora is has been Mark Rogers' guy along with Colin Coward the whole time. And I think. Mark Rogers wanted to stir up some shit. He started to leak that story. He planted the Dan Patrick interview. Russell had an impromptu press conference yesterday. I think this is them creating their political pushback. Okay, so Evan and Jeff are voting for number one of the three options. Or yeah, is that right? Or number two? Number two. That was number two. Yeah. Uh, that 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 it's manufactured by Russ's camp. And Dana, which which of the three? Do you need a refresher on the two? I agree with them. It, there's just something disingenuous about it, right? Like there just seems something amiss about the whole thing. And 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 here's the thing. If, if it was option three, if this was Seattle really thinking they wanted to get rid of Russell, it, it would make no sense as this is, we know that we're going into the last like two, maybe three years of Pete Carroll as head coach. He does not want to start over with an unknown at the end of his career. That That's not where he's going to be at. I just don't see it. I know you guys can think that, but there's no way. There's just absolutely no way. When he knows he has a much better chance of winning a Super Bowl, do not bring up Deshaun Watson because we are not adding Deshaun Watson to the mix. But I'm saying that why it, it, it's illogical unless there was the greatest quarterback of all time sitting at the number one spot in the draft or something. I just, it doesn't make logical sense to switch everything up when you're only going to be a head coach for two years. Uh, so I, I think that, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Let me interrupt. No, 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 no. You're fine. I was just going to say, I think if, if any of this, it, it's, it, I just don't see any of it coming from Seattle. It, it feels more like a PR move. It feels more like you know someone wanting more money more power whatever it is it, it just doesn't feel like a team ready to kind of shake that tree so i agree with i agree with all of you about that by the way um and the 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 follow-up there that's interesting to think about is what is their goal is their goal influence with the seahawks or is their goal to get russell somewhere else and is it 100 percent one or the other like is it is it, if not this, then that, like, if they don't get control, then they want to move. Like, it's not totally clear to me based on how they've approached this and the words that they're using that they're all in on staying in Seattle. Evan asked me last night if I thought he would be in Seattle beyond his next contract. And I said, no. How would it reflect on on Russell Wilson's image, his brand image, 
his business ventures in Seattle, his his future ownership hopes in Seattle. How would that reflect on him if he demanded a trade? Came out up front and I don't mean to like shit on you, but who cares, right? Like No, no, but no, it but matters. No, but my point is if he came out and demanded a trade, that would f- reflect incredibly poorly on him. That's going to reflect poorly on Deshaun Watson. I mean, he'll be fine. He'll go somewhere. Oh, that's he'll more be, of a. I think it's one of the. He'll be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He'll win a lot. Now, for us, if Russ demands a trade, and the Seahawks are like, "Okay, Jacksonville, you can have him. Give us that top pick." Then, yeah, Russell's brand might be affected. I think Russell's brand is going to be affected by where he would go more than demanding a trade. I don't. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, and I think to Evan's point, maybe they're planning that and maybe they're trying to paint the Seahawks as the bad guys. Oh, it's illogical. I mean, I hate, God, I hate when you guys make me agree with Evan, but here's the thing. <laughs> Evan is absolutely 100% right because one thing we've said about Russell Wilson since 2012. Clip that, people. Evan is 100% right. Continue, Dana. <laughs> we'll retract that, Dana, please. It's going to be on a meme forever now. <laughs> like 97% right all right yeah maybe but the thing of it is is this we've said about Russell Wilson since 2012 that he's a robot he's all about his brand he's all about you know this that and the other in the future and he is super polished and 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 I think that he's building a school in downtown Seattle he's part owner of the Sounders he's doing this he's doing that he's flat out said he wants to be an owner I don't think that painting the Seahawks as a bad guy makes him more endeared to the place where he has literally laid his entire business future. It, it's illogical to me. So if this, this is the more logical timeline in my brain, granted, I am not a front office personnel. So keep this in mind. It makes more sense. How many years does Russell have left on his contract Two, three more. No, three. Yeah. Three. So I can see him finishing even to two years Pete retires, Russell moves on, new head coach gets his new quarterback. That just makes so because then it's not on Seattle, it's not on the Seahawks, it's not on Russell, it's not on anything. It's a this grouping is done, we're moving on. It it just it just makes more sense. And if we know anything about Russell and Sierra and all of that, it it is all about the image. And so I think that to to Evan's point, that that's really important. I'll tell you where I got where I'm at on this, guys. Uh, I want Russell to stay. I want the Seahawks to make offensive line a top priority. Mm-hmm. I want Shane Waldron to be good at his job. Please God, be good at your job and implement that offense. Well, and I want Russell to get better. Like I, out of all this friggin' conversation, he was not good enough last year. And those are things that he can control. He's the best player on the team. He's the most valuable player on the team. He could be the most valuable player in the whole league. And things like hitting your outlets, that's not advanced quarterbacking. That's not something that a 10-year vet can't pick up. He needs to be able to do that on time and reduce sacks on his own. He needs to be able to throw the ball away instead of taking a sack on his own. Like, that's not a I hate Russell thing. That is like a I love the Seahawks and I want them to be better. And there's things that you know how much easier it is for him to be able to do those things than for the Seahawks to assemble like the best offensive line in history. Mm-hmm. Like he has total control to make those changes. And, and I just, I don't want that to get lost. And I, 
I'm not sure Russell or his camp see his deficiencies. I mean, and if they do, he's not articulating. He said he could play better, but you know, I'm sorry. If you look at, you look at the analysts and you look at the film that's out there about why people are saying that Russell is responsible for the second most second highest percentage of sacks among all quarterbacks in the league. And you look at the, the film and what's going on there. It's not like witchcraft or like a witch hunt. I mean, like, He's got issues to solve. So like solve them. You've got so many things you do really well. It's like, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's like Pete, like you do the hard things really well, but do the simple things so poorly sometimes like just do the obvious stuff. Like that's why it's, it's, it will always be amazingly ironic that there's a Pete camp and there's a Russell camp, because I tell you, Pete and Russ are so much more similar than anybody wants to admit i agree okay so quarterback position we're all assuming russell's sticking like even with the acrimony all of us think russell's here this year we do not think they're going to trade him yes i don't know guys gino might beat him out i'm on i'm on the gino train we owe nathan a obligatory (laughs) magoo alex magoo uh no but no yeah I, i i will tell you I think drafting a quarterback should be a priority for the Seahawks mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, I do. Is I, it a good quarterback year? I don't. Even I don't know. think they should force it. But when's the last time the Seahawks drafted a quarterback? Right? Was it Magoo? Was, was he in the draft? <laughs> it was Magoo. Like Schneider talks about drafting a quarterback every year is the right way to go, and should always be looking for value there. And he never does. And um, they talked about drafting Mahomes. We know that was real. There was some talk that that was real, that they were going to try to trade Russell to Cleveland and they were going to draft Josh Allen, which would have been an amazing, like, oh my God, that would have sucked for so long. And then all of a sudden, maybe he would have become good. Who knows? But uh, so they have, I guess, looked, but they've never pulled the trigger really. So I think it's time um, for, for a quarterback to be a priority in, in, in the draft. Where are you guys on that? I mean, I told Jeff on, on last night's show that I think uh, you can reliably expect, I'm confident in saying that I think Russell has another good, good four, maybe five years left in him. I think he could absolutely play further than that. And he very likely will defy expectations. I think if any quarterback's going to do it, it's likely him. But I think if you're going to take the conservative roster building approach, you can expect about four to five more years out of Russell. That'll put him at 37, 38 years old. He's going to be 33 midway through this year. The The age count is getting up there, guys. Like, I, I, I don't disagree at all, Brian, with your perspective. I, I think you have to start thinking about a quarterback. It's not urgent for this year, but over the next couple of drafts, yeah, you better be targeting targeting well, a player. It's not even like that you're saying you're going to move away from Russell. No, like the, you the learn Patriots, behind him. The Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett with second and third round picks, or I think they're maybe both second round picks back-to-back years. They got significant value back for those picks because quarterbacks that people believe are developed and valuable are useful trade trip chips. So, I mean, to me, it's just a good roster building move, not, not about Russell even. Yeah, it might be tough this year just because of how limited they are pick-wise. And they, I think they have four draft picks this year at this point. Yeah. And given the constraints in scouting this year, I think this year might be tough. But I agree with the sentiment. I think it needs to happen. Because we look at the free agent market, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. 
you're not going to see a lot of interesting quarterback names hit the free agent market. And there's a lot of teams who need quarterbacks. So there's going to be like a shuffle of the same old guys who are stop gaps and bridge quarterbacks and having an internal option on your team is definitely the best way to do it because I don't know if we want to go into this now and see what's available, but these are not guys you're going to be very excited about. These are guys that are just going to play musical chairs and then the teams are going to be end up seven and nine, nine and seven still trying to find out who their quarterback is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's even worth talking about free agent quarterbacks. I mean, like, I don't think it's particularly interesting. I wouldn't want to listen to that conversation. I'll do a quick run through. And there's going to be, if you're a fan of another team, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Cam Newton. No, I mean, those guys. Maybe ask it a different way. Would you guys rather have a rookie that they've drafted that they're cultivating behind Russell or a veteran like Gino at this point? I always look at this as if, knock on wood, God forbid, Russell should go down in a game, which we haven't had to deal with, right? But if that should happen, who do you want to step in behind it if it's the NFC Championship game or if it's, you know, whatever it may be? (laughs) We wish, we hope. But um, I think until you're ready to start developing your next quarterback, so whoever you do think will step in, for Russell, I think that sometimes it's smarter to, to have a vet. At the same time, that you guys are absolutely right about that trade value and about you know giving those quarterbacks, you know, they have value to them. But I think if if we are looking at a pure backup and we're not looking at developmental, you know, to possibly keep or trade out, then I, I think at least for one, maybe two more years, I would probably stick with a vet. So here are the backup quarterbacks in the final four teams. Um, Chad Henney, who's more of the guy Dana was describing. Blaine Gabbert was Tampa Bay's backup. He's still in the NFL. He won a Super Bowl last week. <laughs> he got one ring. He was on the boat today with uh, Tom Brady. Um, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Um, Green Bay did not have Jordan Love as a backup. He was third string. They had a guy named something Boyle. And... The other one was Buffalo, who had Matt Barkley, who's like a, a much worse version of Gino. So you, you get a real mix. It seems like the veteran guy is more common. And it seems like most teams just kind of set it up as if your quarterback goes down, you're super fucked. And it's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's... All right. We've, we've probably talked enough about a position that's not going to probably change at all uh, this offseason. Let's, let's move on and talk about offensive line. All right, Russ, uh, listening to the show. Yeah, and and we have Patreon questions we want to get to as well. So so we gotta we gotta keep this show on the road. So first question, I'll just say I'll, I'll make a statement. I want to know if anyone feels differently. Offensive line is my top priority for the Seahawks this offseason. Does anyone have a different top priority for the Seahawks this off, offseason? Okay, everyone's everyone's in agreement. Well, I'm like tied on corner. <laughs> I'm tied on corner. Are you serious? Am I serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. You've got, you've got like, have you seen the cornerback group? Yeah. The cornerback group is like clearly one player away. Like everything else is kind of set. I give the edge to O-line, but I think cornerback is two. Okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about that. They need one spot. They need one corner. Sure. So with that in mind, 
Um, we've got two positions that are clear openings in the starters for the offensive line. You've got center and you've got left guard. Mikey Potty, I think, is highly likely to retire. Uh, whether or not he retires, I don't think he'll be back. Ethan Posick is a free agent, was the starter. Um, you know, I've been pretty clear. I don't think they should resign him. I think he's a he's an average guy, and I think if you this is their opportunity to upgrade the position. Um, so. Let's talk free agents first, uh, you know, and if you guys are prepared, uh, we can, we can start going through if, if you need a second to look at free agents, I can start. Um, Jeff, you're, I think you're pretty prepared. Uh, let's, let's hear your top priorities, you know, free agent wise on the offensive line. And I'm going to push you guys. They have room. They can create room. Evan, if you haven't already, go to hawkblogger.com. Evan wrote a great article about where we can create cap space. So they have cap space to sign guys, but they can't sign the top two offensive line free agents and cover the rest of their position. So let's try to be a little realistic, but what would be your top couple of guys that you'd want to see them go after? Jeff. Number one guy on my list, and I feel like I bring up similar guys to this every year is Corey Lindsley, the Green Bay Packers center. And I've been saying this since November or October. And Brian, I will give you the W on this. You were ahead of the curve on the Ethan Posick. It's kind of just the guy. You were. We were all like, holy shit, we have a center. Sign him, sign him. There's a reason none of us are GMs. Brian, I'll give you the – But watching Ryan Jensen in Tampa and the impact he had stabilizing the line and watching – Lindsley himself in the playoffs in the, the Rams game and how well he did against Stu and Vita Vea in the playoff game. Having a great center to me, and they really haven't replaced this position adequately. Britt was okay since Max Unger left. And I know he's 30 years old. I know he's been a little banged up. And I know he's going to have a hot market and he's going to cost a lot. But I think in a division where you play Aaron Donald, you play some very good defensive tackles. Javon Kinlaw is going to get better. I think having a really, really stable center, and you, I know a lot of people will tell you it's the easiest position to replace, and sure it is, but I think having a top-of-the-line guy, Lindsay was the best center, one of the best centers in the league and one of the best offensive lines. I think that can make a huge difference to this team and it's really stabilize the middle of the group because I think it's a pretty good interior class in the draft, and I think I'd rather have a rookie at left guard. We saw Damian Lewis slide in this year. Having a rookie at center would worry me a little bit, and having just a guy who's physical can handle those big like you're gonna play Aaron Donald twice a year every year and the Rams are gonna be good I want a guy who can handle him and Ethan Posick was a stabilizing force this year but he just physically was not strong enough and he got mauled at the point of attack too many times at the end of the season and to me having that top-notch center I think can really do good things for Russell I think it can do things for the running game we saw while Green Bay ran the ball this year and I think it can do great things for pass protection and I think to me I think he all encompassing is the best free agent they can get at any position. I'm going to jump in on the guard spot uh, yeah. because Jeff tackled the center position. There's a couple of really interesting names hitting free agency um, in terms of the guard position. There's the, really the top two. It's Brandon Scherf from Washington and then Joe Thune from uh, New England. Matt Feeler, Filer from Pitt. I don't know how to say that last name is another name. He, actually, Joe fan, I think called him out recently more as a potential budget option at left guard. But in terms of my Holy grail 
of uh, free potential free agent signings this year. It's really Brandon Scherf for me. He's, you know, a top three, four guard in the NFL. He's been in the NFL for six straight years and every single year he has not posted a PFF grade below 75 overall. He's a phenomenal pass protector, really great in run blocking, really good in space. Um, He's going to get something in the 14 to $16 million range per year, but I think he's worth it. And it would be a phenomenal addition and, you know, shoring up that interior offensive line. So here's an interesting thing on him. Sherp was when Scott McLuhan went to Washington. Yeah. It was his first pick. He was a fifth overall top five pick and McLuhan's maybe the best talent evaluator in the NFL. He's been a primarily right guard. If he goes into right guard, does that move Damian Lewis to center? And could that kill two positions in one stone? See, this is this is where you're getting this is an interesting part, Jeff. And this is one of my questions. I think center is one of the easier positions to potentially address. We've seen multiple times where players have sucked, been terrible at tackle and then at guard, and then they're open. Justin Britt, okay at center. Ethan Posick, okay at center. They're not great. Although Justin Britt did make a a Pro Bowl. Um You've got multiple options there. Phil Haynes has actually taken snaps at center um, and, and prepared there. And you've got Damian Lewis. Um, there is an option of going internal there, sliding a guy there, and actually trying to spend on two free agent guards. That, that's another way to go. How did Lewis do his center? I know. How many games did he even play? Because didn't he still one. one? The only game he was Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember how that Scherf went. Scherf is that- a primary right guard, never played yeah. left guard. Another name at center, Brian, I think you brought this up in a tweet a couple weeks I ago. swear to God, if you're about to steal my name, I'm going to be so angry. Okay, I'll, I'll let you steal it, but it, Brian tweeted about him. Is it Alex Mack? No, no. Oh, oh come on, this Evan. No. Okay, who is it? Alex Mack you're, is Greg Olson. You're an ageist. You, you don't like old people, and Alex <laughs> is way too old. I am asking for the Seahawks to sign a 34-year-old center in Alex Mack. He's like, I, I love old people. He's like I love Shakira. I love Shakira. I love old people. Alex Mack is 36. Even better. He's freaking – he's barely even – And he's still very good. No, he's, he's still, not. Yeah, he still, is. I was going to say, if you're going to save some money at center and find a lower value free agent, Austin Blythe played like 99% of the snaps yep. for the Rams last year. And the new coordinator of the Seahawks is coming from the Rams. So if you want a scheme fit guy who can slide right into a role, there's going to be no learning curve. And you want to spend more on a guard. That might be a guy you could kind of target with a left guard and a center. Yeah, the budget the budget centers are Austin Blythe, which is an interesting one given Shane Waldron's connection with the Rams, mm-hmm. um, and then David Andrews with the Patriots, um, who's you know, I think Blythe is yeah, both of them are twenty nine, so they're relatively young. Um, uh, Lindsley is thirty, so he's a year year older. I mean, I think Lindsley to me is the guy that is the blue chip of these options um and i'm a i'm a believer that if you can add a blue chip to your team um and and i think centers can stay productive well into their 30s as alex mack has proven uh (laughs) so he is good (laughs) so i mean 
I would be more interested in signing Corey Lindsley than I would be in signing Brandon Sheriff. What about Thune? Joe Thune? Yeah. He was tagged I mean, last not year. A... Not going to be tagged yeah. again this year. Same thing. I mean, just doesn't I, excite I, you. guys, there, Sweezy's free. Just hey, saying. hold up, though. Joe Thune is really good, though. Yeah, yeah he is really good. I, just, I do think Brandon Sheriff is Stupid better. Good. I, I don't think that's a crazy take but yeah i don't think there's a huge gap there like there i would be disappointed oh, no, of getting both. one over the other i would be ecstatic sure. if they signed joe thune they're both i would lose my mind I, yeah. I honestly would be would be more interested in a combination and there's reason to think this could work of of lindsley and lane taylor both from green bay taylor's a guard won't cost nearly as much mm-hmm. as those other guys um you know lindsley's a center and I think that's more realistic. You're not going to get Lindsley and Scherf or Lindsley and Thune. Like you're just not. So that's, no. that's where I think you're in the crazy zone. If, if, if that's what you're advocating for. No, I don't think you need to have, I mean, but that's the question really, truly is, are we one player away on the line? Are we three players away on the line? Like what is your gut? What is it going to take one blue chip player or two uh- when it comes to the you offensive know, line, good. this is my yeah. personal philosophy. Yeah. You're only as strong as your weakest link when it comes to the O-line. And right now, you know, left guard was that weak link, I think, last year. And so was the center position. So I, I, so I don't – yeah, it's not a great answer, but I think you have to make no, improvements at both. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, I, I have a tendency to agree a little bit about the center, though. I think I think – probably there's options there although we just see a big drop i don't know that's tough so which 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 position are you most wanting to fill free through a free agent center or guard Uh, dana you go first oh sorry um well like i was just saying I, i i agree to a certain extent about the entire that I don't think you have to have, to use your word, Brian, so people can for continuity, but you know, we don't need a blue chip player at center, I think as much as you do probably at guard. And so if you can get one guard and one decent center, you know, I think, or one other decent player, that's better if that's, but that's assuming they're going to go in for high dollar at that at that position. I think that that's what's required for guard is you're going to have to go in at, at the high dollar level there. Evan, I've got a question for you on this. Sorry. I'm going all over the place. Yeah. It, which, which position um, gets is demands higher dollars center or guard. Oh, oh. guard without questions. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Right. So that's another reason to me go in on Lindsley. Lindsley. I don't think there's any question. Lindsley is the best offensive lineman from a mm-hmm. garter center position available get the best possible player you can and then fill in around it. So can I just give a little bit of perspective on top end contracts for, yeah. for guards, for elite, for like an elite level guard, you're talking between 12 and $15 million a year, mm-hmm. which seems reasonable in terms of like a return on investment in terms of center. I believe you're talking around 10. So yeah. So the top five centers are all in the 11 mil range. To me, that like even if you have to go to twelve, like yeah. 
especially guy that's going to be your probably. center for the next five years to help with line protection calls that also helps like center that's the other thing it's not just blocking it's it's how right. well you read the line to help your quarterback like max unger there was a massive difference in russell's splits when max unger was in the lineup versus when he wasn't and part of it was because russell had to take over line calls and have more of that responsibility you have a veteran center who knows what he's doing can super help the quarterback focus on other things. If you stole Colts center Ryan Kelly today and put him on the Seahawks, his cap hit this year for the Seattle Seahawks would be less than what Jaron Reed is being paid next year. So that's that's just a perspective thing. Yeah. And that's not shitting on Jaron Reed. It's just like those posi- interior positions, I think you can get good bang for buck. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I think it was an all-pro this year. So, I mean, yeah. just in the interest of, of for the show, I mean, others, there's not a lot of other centers. I mean, there's – there's Lindsley, and then there's a huge drop-off. You're talking about, I mean, Alex Mack, I don't think he's an option. I'm, I'm not sure he's going to play. I think Mike Pouncey, there's some interest in that. You know, he's been good in the past. He's 32. He was know. so bad this last year, yeah. though. He's declined. Um, I think Austin Blythe and um, David Andrews and Ethan Posick are all kind of in a in a cluster, you know, and and if all things are equal – Honestly, folks, I'd rather them try to solve internally on center, like, and then spend the money on guard. I'm just skeptical of that Damian Lewis move. I, I don't think it has to be Lewis. Okay, I just I don't want to take away. I I think Lewis's ceiling is really high at guard, and I yeah. just don't want to disrupt that. Yeah, he's got to learn to pass protect. But yeah, the one option there, though, or the one thing to think about is if he, like we said. People get better moving to center. It's it's an easier position in some ways with less requirement. If he's already a good guard and can be a all pro center, fantastic. You know, wherever, you know, if, if that can work out, that's fine. I just want to get five great offensive linemen out on the field. I don't care how they do it. Um, but I do think it's an interesting idea to move people around to create space where they where they want. Um are we all hope expecting them to sign two free agent offensive linemen? Expecting. Yes. Or hoping. (laughs) No, expecting. I'm expecting they're going to sign two. Hell no. Oh, well, okay. Russell's little Okay, yeah. Yeah, what are we talking salary threshold? I'm not not at all predicting what what levels they're going to be at, but I think they're going to have to. I don't think they have a backup guard on the left guard on the roster right now. I expect them to sign two offensive linemen below three million dollars per year yes i'm just hoping their offensive line plan is not their defensive line plan from last year because <laughs> last year we thought oh they have all this cap room like they're gonna be able to get two pass rushers yeah okay well it sounds like the, the consensus here is is Lindsley. um uh, you know I'm, what's gonna can i just jump in real quick yeah. on that you know it's gonna be a and i just kind of thought of this what's going to be kind of an interesting sign over the next few weeks, I, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a indicator as to how aggressive the Seahawks will be because for them to open up additional cap space, they'll need to make corresponding moves, but probably particularly around extensions and extensions take time. Negotiations talks take time. Uh, meeting in the middle takes time. So if the Seahawks are going to open up cap space to make, you know, several acquisitions and free agency, I think there's going to have to be several moves over these next few weeks. Um, and if Good there point. isn't, it might be an indicator that they're not going to be so aggressive. Good point. 
Good point. Hey, let's transition and talk about Patreon questions, unless anyone had any other uh, final words on offensive line. Okay. Um, we can come back and talk offensive line draft uh, as we get closer to that. Um, you know, and, and we can have a little bit of a conversation when we do that around other young players that are on the roster be- behind. Um, CX did let Chance Warmack go, which was not a huge bit of news, but I was a little bit disappointed because I, I was hopeful that guy might turn into something. You know, he really, yeah, he, Chance he, Warmack stand. I like guys that had high ceilings and you know fell off for injury and then took time off. Like I, I think there's there's at least potential there, and uh, it sounds like they didn't <laughs> they don't think that's the case. Uh, all right, Dana, help us out with some Patreon questions. And if for all folks right. that, that haven't done it already, sign up at patreon.com slash hawkblogger so you can ask your questions as well. All right. There was a ton of questions this week and they were really good ones. So nice job, people. But okay, so this first one's from Bryce. I think it's Coots, I think is how you say his last name. Sorry, Bryce, if that's not right. Um, can you discuss if the Seahawks would consider going after Brown from the Ravens and maybe tw- trade Dwayne Brown or Jaron Reed for cap space and picks? So let's just start with the first one. What do you think about going after Brown from the Ravens. All right, pick pick one of us so we don't go round table. Uh, Jeff. No, it doesn't work. Uh, it's a no. great fantasy football idea if you play Madden. Left tackle is the reason he wants to leave Baltimore. That means you're replacing Dwayne Brown. And what picks are you trading for a premier player with? They're already short picks. No, this, this doesn't work. Okay. All right. Evan, this one's for you. Which deal? Oh, this is from Waldron's Cauldron, by the way. I like that one. Which deal would you do at the expense of others? Now, I don't know if he means other players on our team or other deals. I'm not sure. So, would you go for the for Thune at four years, fifty million? Sherman at two years, twenty-four million. Lindsay at three years, thirty-three million. Uh, Griffin, I'm assuming Shaquille, three years, thirty-six million. Or Lawson for four years, $55 million. I'd go the Thune deal. Yeah, Thune and then the Lindsley deal. I I love Sherman. I want him back. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's older in age. And I just don't think the Seahawks need to spend a premium price on corner in free agency. It'd be nice to have Sherman back. But if they're going to spend premium anywhere, it needs to be on the offensive line. Fair. All right, Brian. This one is kind of complicated, but I, I, I'm interested in your take on it. It's from Sam Brown. It says, how do you think Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson will work with Solari and perhaps Russell when it comes to O-line personnel decisions and blocking concepts? Do you believe they'll see eye to eye or will there be a disconnect? Yeah, it's one of the, the more fascinating questions for uh, football, hardcore football fans this offseason to watch because Solari has brought with them much more of a power scheme than the Seahawks had before and less of the zone, um, you know, wide zone uh, kind of, uh, of running. Sean McVay's system is predicated on wide zone and, and that's a big part of it. And you have to assume Eric Dickerson, uh, not Eric Dickerson <laughs> Mr. Dickerson, who joined us. Uh, that'd be funny if Eric Dickerson joined us, but um, <laughs> as the run game coordinator and as assistant offensive line coach, uh, is going to have some influence over that. So um, my assumption is that they will work it out and um, try to mesh 
some of what, what the power scheme is that they're comfortable with, but also um, implement more of the wide zone. Uh, I don't know that Solari is just one type of offensive line coach, but that is, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibilities that Mike Solari decides to step away. That, that's not, to me, that's not totally out of the realm of possibilities if he feels like there's not a good fit. And it's probably just too early for him to, to know that. Fair. All right. I want, <laughs> this is a fun question. So anyone who wants to can answer this. It's from Stensig. On a scale from one to 10, one being totally normal and 10 being absolutely not doing it, how weird would it be to start saying Peter Carroll instead of Pete? I already it's call him Peter like- Clay Carroll. That's who he is. This to one me. got the most likes. Like people wanted to know. <laughs> Peter Clay. Yeah. Um, my favorite soccer team is Sporting Kansas City. You guys know that. And our head coach is Peter Vermees. And I can't call him Pete, but I can't call Pete Carroll Peter. It's weird. It's just how you hear it. It's just strange. <laughs> All right. So this one, I'm going to go with Jeff. And then we'll do one more after this one. Um, what this is from Silk. What moves, extensions, trades, et cetera, do you see happening to free up cap room and how much space do you see them starting with in the tampering free agent period? Okay. So one, I would say, I know it, read Evan's article on this and I'm not mm-hmm. avoiding the question. I'm going to answer this in a minute, but the salary cap could be a very complicated thing. Evan did a really, really good job. I helped edit this article for him kind of explaining the process of how extensions actually lower salary caps and he showed basically how all the money works it was really helpful for me even who's someone who digs into all these sites like i learned a lot from reading it and i think evan brought up the the number one player that i would be doing it personally i don't is carlos dunlap and i keep seeing like points from b writers and john clayton like that carlos dunlap's cap hit makes him a risk of being cut if the seahawks do this they're fucking stupid right i'm coming on saying it if you cut Carlos Dunlap over a couple dollars, you're going into a season where you have a ton of holes and your defensive ends would be Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, and LJ Collier. That's there it. were people suggesting that? Yeah, they're like, 14 million is too much. Like, you can't bring them back. I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Extend this they guy. They watched this season? Yeah, like he completely... Watch the Super Bowl. Like, those pass rushers are so important. Anyway, so he's number one. For me, he unlocked Jaron Reed. He unlocked uh, a lot of other guys. Benson Mayo is a free agent. You don't know if Darrell Taylor is. Sign him. It'll lower cap hit. Number two to me is Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler's a guy you want to have on this team going forward. Russell and him have a unique chemistry, and I think you see there's a case that Lockett is even more valuable than DK Metcalf in terms of just how the offense functions when he's going. So I think he would be a valuable guy. And I think Dwayne Brown is the third one because they don't have a first rounder this year. They don't have a first round next year. If Dwayne still wants to play for the foreseeable future, keep him at left tackle, lower his cap hit number. And those are three guys that can open up. I believe it's 20 million of cap space if you do the deals correctly. So those are three guys you want. For Lockett, the age is pretty good. Uh, for Dunlap, I think the positional value is super important. I think if they do cut him or move on because of his salary, I got into an argument with someone, one of the smarter Twitter guys about this. He's like, you can't get attached to the player. It would be a no, it's an absolute must to extend this guy. They need to keep him on the team. Agreed. 
Okay, one more and then we'll be done. And this one is for Brian and I'm only making Brian answer this because I know it will be hard for him. So the question is from Troy Fagan and his question was, should we trade Jamal Adams or Bobby Wagner? And I want to know if you had to trade one of them, which one would be the, what, what would be your choice between the two? Be careful on if your answer course, on this one, buddy. If you twist your arm. I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Bobby's going to net you much in return at this point in his career. Uh, middle linebacker in general is a, it's a scheme dependent position. Um, and, and also I think, you know, from an age perspective, I don't know someone's going to give you a bunch, even though he's an all pro and, you know, a great player. Jamal Adams would net you more, but I think Jamal Adams is part of your future and, and you've got to extend him. to me. That's an absolute must, you know, accomplish this off season. So so your answer is hell no to either. I think both of the pretty <laughs> poor choices to, to trade, but if I had to trade one of them, it would be Bobby. Um, and, uh, you know, Nathan and I, a few years ago, were advocating for that. Um, and Bobby was, Bobby uh, made sure he, he let me know his opinion on that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, actually very respectfully, but, but um, you know, I think their chance to trade Bobby and get, get draft capital um and cap space relief is in the past it's, it's no longer really okay. an option it'd be crazy to get rid of either one of them awesome well thank you dana for doing uh patreon duty can i just add on one thing yes. i'm sorry <laughs> jamal adams we need to we need to extend this guy like there's ASAP. some there's some this is like for the cat nerds out there this is like number one salary cap priority for the seahawks is extending Jamal Adams over the next year. And I will tell you why. Okay. The safety market is going to be reset like four or five times over the next year. There's some huge big time star safeties all across the NFL. Justin Simmons, um, Derwin James. There's like three more that are all going to reset the market over the next year. If the Seahawks wait, they are going to pay more and they, you know, may be forced to wait by Jamal Adams negotiation camp, but you know, they, they need to get him, in the building long-term on an extension as soon as possible. So that's my I, last take. I agree. And I just wanted to say, I am not a cat. I am a person. Is this a new filter? What is this? How do you, how do you do this? You see that video <laughs> yesterday? Yeah, no, but how'd you do the filter? Oh, uh, Evan. You just have to have talent. Oh my God. God oh, it's, like, Lord. it's like I'm back oh, in Lord. Seattle. I'm a little. Yeah, you look like me the other day. Uh, okay, we've we've lost control, and I'm I'm happy to have contributed <laughs> to that. Uh, thank you everybody for joining the show tonight. Uh, you know where to go, hawkblogger.com for all your content. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/hawkblogger joins to support the show as well as charity. We are heading towards uh, the moment where we get to make our contribution for the year. I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, have not heard from Tracy and John yet when, when we're going to be able to do the, the charity event and, and make our donation, but tune in. For folks that don't know, you don't just get to like sign up to be a patron and get the benefit of getting immediate access to the Slack channel and knowing that what you're doing also supports the show and supports charity. But when we do the auction with the Seahawks, I spend some of that money which is being donated to buy favors for patrons um you get phone calls from seahawks players uh i famously or one of my most fun moments was getting 
uh, who, which, which does, <laughs> I think it was a player that Nathan has totally dogged over and over and over Tedrick, again. Right? Tedrick Thompson and I had Tedrick call Nathan and he just texted me god dang you Brian uh it was actually worse language than that but uh it's awesome it's oh that is so other, funny a whole other experience when you get to deal with the human and not the player um and have those conversations do we know how how Nathan reacted to that oh my god he was not happy so he handled it very well he he curled up like a little kitten and <laughs> Super nice. Oh, Tedrick, very... I love you, Tedrick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're the best safety ever. <laughs> you have such good balls. So... Yeah. So uh, now's the time to join because you can't join at the last second and get an opportunity to get in on that. So please do, uh, you know, and if you haven't already, subscribe on the channel here at YouTube. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. Who knows what's going to go on over this off season? It's, been, it's already been proven. That way you'll know when we go live and, uh, you know, subscriber at Spotify, SoundCloud, all those good places, Apple play, uh, Apple store, Google play, all those things. Uh, that's it for tonight. It's been great. Dana, Jeff, Evan, have a wonderful evening to everyone that tuned in. Uh, go Hawks.